Hi, it's Alex Goldfein, author of 5-Minute Selling, and you're listening to my quest for the best with Bill Ringle. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Alex Goldfan. Alex is the CEO of the Revenue Growth Consultancy, which serves the distribution and manufacturing industry. His typical clients gross between 20 million and 2 billion in annual revenue and always almost originate from multi-generational family businesses. Alex is the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Selling Boldly, the revenue growth habit, which was selected as the sales book of the year by 800 CEO Reed and Evangelist Marketing. He lives in Chicago with his wife and 10-year-old twins. Alex is here to talk about his new book, Five Minute Selling, the proven simple system that can double your sales even when you don't have time. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate you having me on. It's such a pleasure. Alex, one thing I love to learn from people who are high performers and high achievers is that when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? You know, I was born in Ukraine which was the former Soviet Union. And my dad dragged us out of there when I was two years old. So, and he was pretty much a kid himself still at the time. He was 26. So we came to America. It was 1978. We had $20 total money, no English language. And in the Soviet Union, my dad was an electrical engineer. Well, when he came here, he couldn't do that, right? Because he didn't know English. So there was no way to be an electrical engineer. So he did, you know, sort of menial labor jobs. He worked in restaurants and washed dishes and did what he had to do and just persevered like crazy. He retired a couple of years ago, Bill, and he was the head of electrical engineering at Baxter Pharmaceutical in their IV lab. So when I was a kid, when I started working and when I'm in my middle age now running my business, it's my dad. It's my dad who inspires me. When you think back to growing up and having your dad as that example, Alex, is there a time you can recall when you made a different decision about your life direction and his example kind of influenced you or informed you about how to make that decision? I mean, I can think of many examples. I would say that every time I choose to persevere and not give up, the foundation of that is him. You know, there's been many times in my life, Bill, in, in my business life that we were basically out of money. I don't know many times, let's call it three or four times, right? Multiple times where we were close to zero. Now, the last two years, my consulting practice did $3 million each year. But, you know, it doesn't start that way. I've been in business for over 20 years and it takes a while. And multiple times in our lives, my wife and I uh, have been out of money. We've had times where my wife was opening Target credit cards because they were offering, they remember I don't know, 10 years or so ago, every retailer you would yes. go to when you would check out, they would offer credit cards, right? Would you like to sign up for a credit card? I guess they're doing it still sometimes now, but yeah, she'd open credit cards, you know, and get the $500 of credit in case we had to buy milk, you know, or groceries. And so we've been there and there were times that it has, you know, in those moments, it's taken like a beat your head through the wall sort of perseverance an intense perseverance. And I would say the core of that is my dad. You know, I, I watched it every damn day and that's where it comes from. So you've built a career based upon accelerating and enhancing 
sales processes. That's been your focus primarily, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, growing companies. Yeah, that's the business. So let's start with a really important fundamental distinction. Differentiate marketing and sales based on your experience working with your clients and students. Yeah, marketing is talking to groups of people. So when you send an email to many, that's marketing. When you post on LinkedIn and many read it, that's marketing. When you do a video or this podcast here, right, and many listen, that's marketing. Sales is one-on-one, sort of by definition, right? There is one customer that you are selling to. Now, you might have a group of buyers there, but the sale is made to one buyer that is the buying organization at a time. And so that's the difference. What are the activities that someone who's involved in marketing suddenly needs to shift when they go to a sales activity? Small businesses often have people who wear multiple hats and have multiple roles of responsibility that overlap marketing and sales. So for someone in that position who's doing a mixture of sales and marketing, what is the point where they have to shift from marketing-focused to sales-focused in order to serve that responsibility the best way? So when we market, there is really no yes or no that we're trying to attain. We're simply writing communication or perhaps, you know, stating communication into a camera and then we're disseminating it. We're distributing it. If you do that, you've marketed. If you do that, you have not sold though. (laughs) Selling by definition demands a yes or no, requires a yes or no, which actually, Bill, interestingly, is where many salespeople get tripped up on, right? And even many business owners get tripped up here. So sales is a game of overcoming lots and lots of rejection. And every now and then we work our way into a yes. And sales requires the telephone as well as meetings, right? Which there's less of now given our current environment that we're in, our our pandemic environment. But sales requires the phone, sales requires asking for the business, and sales requires direct, often uncomfortable one-on-one communication. Marketing doesn't require any of that. Marketing requires communicating with lots of people and getting your message out there. But unless our listeners have businesses where lots of money comes in online, right, without our personal involvement, just their sales online all the time, we've got to move ourselves into those behaviors of sales, which is the thing that's going to make us money, right? Interestingly, marketing often doesn't generate the revenue. It's the sales that does that directly. Well put. That's really an important distinction for everyone listening, understanding and realizing that marketing raises awareness and creates the opportunity or helps you segment the people who are interested in offering in what you're offering. And sales is when you're actually getting into those conversations and are putting to them, would you like my solution or offering to help them solve their problems with what products, services, and solutions you have to offer. And that's really important because marketing doesn't bring in the business. It's sales that brings in the business. So I've got to ask you, Alex, were you always a sales dynamo? Was this something that just came naturally based upon your own upbringing, attitudes, and personality? Huh. Interesting question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. I think probably not. I think that I've as an immigrant kid, I kind of grew up uncomfortable. By the way, immigrant only child, Bill, right? So what could be worse? What could be more, uh, you know, high pressure? And <laughs> more than once I heard in my life, we didn't come to America for you to do this. <laughs> you had to deal with expectations. <laughs> yeah, just half an expectation there, just a little bit. So no, so I don't think it was something that 
what was a natural behavior for me, especially because, look, I was in college. I was a psychology major. I went to grad school in clinical psychology. I was in a doctorate program. I was going to be a shrink. I was going to be a therapist. And I stopped that program after the first year because I just I couldn't handle it. Um, I couldn't handle the people that were in it. So I started my first business as a 21 year old. And no, I wasn't very good at selling, you know, but when you're in business, like I've never had a job. And so when you're in business, as many of our listeners are, most of our listeners, right? There is no choice, man. We have to figure out how to sell or we won't eat. <laughs> so that's how it was. I had to figure it out. So I did. Alex, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs who you and I have both spoken to and had heard their stories as well as our own stories, we kind of develop a product initially and maybe have some initial sales. But I bet there was a point when you decided that if I'm going to grow this company from zero to five to six to seven figures, sales is really the key. Do you remember when you made that decision and what drove you to do that? Sales being the key for me to sell from that perspective? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take long to figure out that unless you're picking up the phone and talking to people who can pay you with money, you're not going to be very successful in business, you know? So, you know, I think the big question was always, how do you get in front of those people, right? How do you get to those people? Because you can't cold call them. I mean, you could, it just doesn't work very well. And it's not a very good way to live. So what can we do? Now we're back to the marketing piece, right? What can we do to get in front of these people that can buy from us so that, and, and we can sell to them? And so now we get, we get back to the marketing piece where we have to market to get in front of the customers who we can help so that they can pay us. And what, did, what were some of the insights you gained about getting in front of those people? So I've built my business around things that I enjoy and that I think I'm, I'm relatively good at. And the core of that for me has been speaking. So I do a lot of keynote speeches and workshops. Uh, and so the last couple of years, it's been over 100 each in those successful consulting years, the, the most successful consulting years that I've had in my life. There's been the most talks as well, which put me in front of the most buyers. And when I speak, I'm marketing, right? And so there's there's an audience of people and they, they hang out with you for an hour or two. And so that's my social media. You know, I'm not very good on actual social media, but I am pretty good at this particular kind of social media, which happens in a room, not now, but it will again. And that's where my audience of business owners and sales leaders, that's where they gather, right? And so the question to your listeners would be, where does your audience gather and where can you be where they are uh, so that you can talk to a lot of them at once and start the process with them to sell to them. I think that everyone in marketing and sales functions recognize the importance of regular contact and establishing the positioning that being a speaker accomplishes. You also made a statement that I want to highlight because I think it's just such a, a great insight that meetings and workshops and seminars were the original social media. <laughs> it's where we got together with people and shared and educated them and helped them understand how to do better at the work that they did. So I think that's terrific. Alex, in Five Minute Selling, you advocate what I would call the four pillars of effective sales. Brief but vital routines, positive mindset, tactical scripting, and tracking that leads to accountability and momentum. What's an example of a client who wanted to grow sales but had some resistance or reluctance to adopt one of these key elements? 
salespeople who have been at it for a while. So these are now the salespeople that might work for our listeners, right? Mm -hmm. Who are the business owners. If you've been doing sales for a while, you don't want to sort of be asked to track or write things down or, uh, you know, detail what you're doing. And so that's usually uh, the top resistance that my clients, who who are the peers of our listeners, who own the companies, that they sort of deal with. You know, people say, you know, give you an example at, uh, I have a manufacturer uh, that's a $300 million uh, maker of pavers. Uh, so these are, these are a synthetic stone. And they're, some of their sales managers, right, who manage salespeople said, no, our guys aren't going to do this. You know, and so there, there's a process that we go through where we literally say, look, if you don't write it down, it's impossible to follow up on it, right? If the opportunity isn't recorded somewhere, not only can you not follow up on it, sometimes you don't even know if you sold it. Because if one of your people quotes something over the phone and gives a price and it's not written down, well, how do you know you sold it? So we need a list of really as much as we can get together in sales. So for successful selling, we need a list of people to call because if we don't have a list, we literally don't know who to call. And then we need a list of opportunities to follow up on. Let's call them pre-quote or pre-proposal opportunities, right? Things that are being put together, but you haven't gotten to a quote or a proposal yet. And then finally, you need a list of quotes and proposals to follow up on so that you can say, Tom, how you doing? It's Alex. I was thinking about you. Where are you at in that quote that we talked about a couple of days ago? So we need to know what we have out there to follow up on. And when you explain it that way, and when you give examples like that, people will, number one, they'll start to do it. So my key in, in implementing the processes I put together for clients is I want them just to give me like a week. Give me a week because the results come quickly. You know, success comes quick. When you're that active in communicating proactively to the world, it doesn't take long. You don't have to do many follow-ups before one closes and you get that business. And then you get good energy and you get positivity and you get confidence. And when you get those things, Bill, you want to do more of it. And so then they do it again. So we use, we, there's a lot of psychology in the work that I do, uh, perhaps because of my background in, in schooling, but you use... The positive psychology, which is the impact of the results, in order to motivate additional efforts that go outbound. Alex, could you tell me a little bit about how this worked with the company that did the pavers? Did they see that result within a week? And what were the interactions like when one of their salespeople got a result, someone else said, oh my gosh, well, if Fred can do it, then I can do it. And really what I've learned from reading your book is that these are very simple charts. You're not telling people to implement a a multi-million dollar ERP system. You're saying, look, print out these charts, follow them for a week, and then let's talk about the results. That's That's what the ask is. And the payoff is so great if they just follow through. So with the client, usually what happens is about a third of the participants take off and they put their head down and they go and they do the work. And that's about what happened here. And so about a third of the, I don't know, 75 or so participants that we had in the work, and we, we work with all customer-facing staff, they made the proactive calls. They asked the did-you-know questions. 
they made the quote follow-ups. Did you know is, hey, did you know we can help you with this product or that product or this service or that service? They did it. And then to their credit, my client, the owner, as well as the leaders of the sales organization, they communicated those successes out to everybody. And so there's a core recognition component to my consulting projects. And in the recognition, we say, congratulations to Joe. Uh, He made a proactive call, asked the did you know question, and then pivoted to the sale, which means he asked for the business. And he closed this new order of $50,000. And then congratulations to Sally, who followed up on a quote and closed it. And this was worth $15,000. And so they did that for a week or two. And what we have now, which is about... Oh, a year into the project is we have about three-fourths of the people instead of one-third, about three-quarters of the people actively, regularly, daily involved in doing the work. And that company, which started out at $300 million, is now up approximately 60%, six zero, in the middle of a pandemic. Wow, that's exciting. It's really encouraging to have those concrete numbers to refer to, and none of that happens without tracking. That's so important. None of that happens without tracking, and none of it happens without people doing work that they were initially a little bit uncomfortable with. You know, it's all that 60% growth, which is, you know, a good $200 million, if my math is right, maybe 175 in a year of new money is built on little three second to five minute actions. You know, it's built on lightning fast, proactive outbound communications, but not one of them, many, many of them done in system, right? One call every now and then doesn't do much for your business, but a call a day by everybody who can make one that's proactive, that's for no reason, So let's say you've got 10 people. If all 10 make a proactive phone call once a day, that'll give you 10 per day and 50 per week and 200 in a month, if my math is right, and 2,400 new outbound proactive relationship building phone calls in a year, 2,400. And if you want to double that, you just ask for two calls a day. And now you're at almost 5,000. And there's no way for business not to grow if you make that many phone calls to customers and prospects. The reason why is the competition isn't doing that. You'd be the only one. It's amazing how easy it is to stand out by taking smart, informed habits and implementing them within a company, as you explain in the five-minute selling system. Alex, are you ready for the my quest for the best lightning round? (laughs) Sure, Bill. Bring it on. All right. So earlier, I asked you about someone who inspired you growing up, and you talked about your dad. What was a song you found inspiring as a teenager? (laughs) A song I found inspiring as a teenager. I'm a big fan of enthusiastic songs that have an energy to them. Uh, So frankly, as a kid growing up, Michael Jackson was all the rage, right? And so his high high energy songs uh, like Beat It and Thriller, not so much for the content, but for the energy that it gives, the feeling that it gave. After that, as time moved, things like REMs, it's the end of the world, right? Even though the the message is negative, it's a very upbeat, enthusiastic song. Uh, and that's sort of where I was drawn and gravitated towards. If you could put a slogan that summarized your work on a billboard that every key stakeholder, decision maker, business owner had to read each morning, what would it say in one sentence? It would say, the more that people hear from you, 
the more they buy from you. What's the easiest part of the five-minute selling system for you? Connecting with customers and prospects who know my name and, of course, whose name I know. The easiest part is having communications with people who I respect, admire, appreciate, value, because we get to catch up and I feel good afterwards. And, oh, it happens to grow my business. It's a nice side benefit. What's the hardest aspect of it for you to do automatically? Even though I write books about it, Bill, I still feel that the rejection or even just the fear of rejection, which is a lot more profound than the rejection itself, is probably up there with, with, with the hardest parts. Even I struggle with it, and all humans do. And so when, you, when you're avoiding the phone call because of fear of rejection, just know that so is everybody else in the world, and we've got to figure out how to make it. And what's one trick, technique, or tactic you use to overcome that fear and just get the first one done? Whether you sit down at your desk at eight in the morning or nine in the morning, somebody told me recently, Alex, if you got to eat a frog, it's not going to taste any better at 2 p.m., you know, later in the day. First thing in the morning, get the hardest, most challenging, most demanding, you know, emotionally demanding work. Get it done first thing in the morning. That's one of Brian Tracy's books, Eat the Frog. And I, I was thinking of that. Yeah, that came from Brian Tracy. That's right. He quoted that to me. He said it's a Brian Tracy thing. What would you say is the best $100 purchase you've made in the last six months, personally or professionally? We're going to get a little personal here, Bill. I bought some swim shorts that I saw an ad for online randomly. And instead of having the mesh inside, they just have like a regular sort of athletic shorts material inside. Incredibly comfortable. Highly recommended. Hey, when you find something like that, you want to tell people about it. (laughs) And, and, And my son loves them too. Alex, because we're in the pandemic here and people listening to this, we're still going to be in a lockdown situation. I'd like to ask you what adjustments or changes with your method or sales routines you've made since the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. The way that I help my clients grow their businesses in normal times is even more important in these times that we're in now, Bill. I would argue that the telephone today is just as important as it was in the 70s and 80s to successful selling when it was the only thing. There was nothing else in the 70s and 80s. We had to call. Well, now there's a million other ways to try to communicate with people. And the vast majority of salespeople tend to avoid the phone to make proactive phone calls. Now, we'll answer the phone all day long. If somebody calls us, we're happy to answer it. That's because they're probably not calling to reject us, right? They're calling to place an order. Something good usually comes on the other end of the line, although many times customers are calling us to complain about something. And then that's a part of the customer service process that we have to do, right? If the customer calls us with a problem, we have to solve it. We can't say, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not doing that right now in my day. I'm doing proactive work. We have to solve the problem. So I think the most important thing we can do in this pandemic now, and this is a part of my program, right? And answering your question, the the single most important thing we can do is to pick up the phone and call customers and prospects right? Almost all of us have hundreds of people who would recognize either our name or the company's name. You don't have to know them personally. You just have to, they have to recognize who we are, either us or the business. The single most important thing we can do is call, reach out, ask them how they are, ask them how their family is. Is everybody healthy? How is your work going in this crazy environment? Now, what are you working on that I can help you with? I'd like to help. Where can I help? That's the conversation. 
And I'm just going to emphasize that throughout Five Minute Selling, Alex, you offer these very clear scripts that people can use to help them verbalize what they want to say and build that initial rapport and lend focus to their conversations. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource for that reason. And I want people to be aware of that as they pick up the book. I think that's an important benefit that you build into it. Is there a chance that people are overlooking the power of the personal conversation because they think that it has to be more complicated or involved than simply connecting person to person? I do think there's a chance. I think that successful selling is incredibly simple. You know, it's so look, my clients average 10 to 20 percent sales growth annually, right? Every year. And some of them, like the one I told you about with that makes the synthetic stone is up 60 percent. So many of my clients grow by more than the 20 percent annually. And I'm in mature industries, right? These aren't this isn't the Internet category that I'm working in, right? This isn't software as a service, SaaS. This is a mature. I work in lumber and steel and, you know, as you said at the beginning, uh, distribution and manufacturing. And there's absolutely a chance. Uh, And so in all of those industries, many of my clients haven't grown in years when I get there. They haven't seen, they've been flat for years. And it's not that hard to grow those companies. The way we grow them is we communicate more with customers and prospects proactively, systematically, right? Once is a, is a snowflake that falls to the pavement and melts consistently by everyone. Over time, you get yourself a blizzard, a blizzard of new sales. So the key is the system. And, and it's just a system of really simple stuff. Picking up the phone, calling a customer, telling the customer what else they can buy from you, asking the customer what else they need that you can help them with, following up on quotes and proposals, asking for the business. There's the top five things I've just rattled off, right? And in the book, each of those things has a chapter with language in it, as you said. They don't need a chapter. The book, you know, each of those things, they don't require a chapter, but I was writing a book, so I had to write chapters. Uh, That's why some of them are so short. Our listeners right now, they pretty much know everything that they need to know to grow their sales a lot and quickly. They already know. The question is, are they doing what they know? Because there's a big difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it. The knowing doesn't make us any money. It's the doing that makes the money. And so we have to take action, right? Knowing is not enough. We need regular daily action as a team of people. And our listener's job then, if they're the owner, is to coordinate that, right? You conduct the orchestra. That's the work. Well, Alex, you have shared so many great ideas today on my quest for the best. I want to thank you so much for helping, starting with differentiating between marketing and sales, where with marketing, there's no chance of rejection because you're educating and stimulating ideas. But with sales, it requires that you get into one-on-one conversations, that you ask for the business, yes or no, and not let it be a, a put off or deferred decision. You shared with us that you weren't initially someone who was a sales dynamo, but you realized quickly that you needed to pick up the phone and talk with people who need what you're offering and can't afford it. You talked about the one of the biggest problems that salespeople encounter when adopting any new system is the reluctance to track or be accountable, and that you introduce these systems that are daily and weekly trackers that make it so simple for people to succeed, build momentum, and you ask them to just give you a week 
give the system a week so that results can occur. And for those who do it, to have make sure that managers communicate that success so that it begin, begins to change the culture. You reminded people that it's important and one of the ways to overcome that call reluctance or hesitancy is to just do it first thing in the morning, like Brian Tracy says, eat that frog. And how important it is for all of us to think of how to proactively and systematically, I loved when you use that phrase, take action on making sales. Alex Golvin, author of 5-Minute Selling, I want to thank you once again for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you for having me, Bill. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful and uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, Alex, before we say goodbye for now, I want listeners to know that you generously offered to have a giveaway with your book, 5-Minute Selling, and that'll be available on the webpage where we have links to your book, links to your website, and links to all of your social media avenues as well. What's the, the website you want people to know about listening to this show right now? So my website is goldfane.com, which is my last name, G-O-L-D-F like Frank, A-Y-N like Nancy, goldfane.com. On the front page there, as this is airing, you will see a very clear and obvious link to the book that we're talking about now, 5-Minute Selling. From there, you'll be able to download the planners and the trackers that we've discussed and really get all the information that you need and get all the tools that you need that go with the book so that you can grow your sales systematically. That's terrific. Thank you again so much for sharing on my quest for the best. Thank you, Bill. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback, and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.